Hey kids, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017, and we're going to start things off with another summer song from our well-spent youth.
with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Cruel Summer from British girl group Bananarama's eponymous 1983 album, which was released in the United States in 1984. It's another song. It's another, yet another 1980s song whose music video was shot in New York City, and it features, if you want to go look it up and Google that shit, it features the Dukes of Hazard type sheriff, I know, and a New York City cop, I know, chasing the girls, I know, as they hurl bananas at the popo car. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But anyway, they all end up dancing together at some rave at the end. A scenario highly unlikely in our 2017 cruel summer, where it seems every other day the despotic wannabe orange popinjay with aspirations to Hitlerhood once again proves to be the greatest threat to the United States among, besides war, civil strife, depression, bubonic plague, and looking at the eclipse without glasses. What are you thinking? Okay, look, kids, I get that ruling powers all have their expiration dates. I mean, the Soviet Union barely lasted 74 years. The Soviet Revolution was 1917, and the it was over by 1991 or two, right? Okay, like I didn't Google it. I'm just, I'm approximating. The British Empire, from which the United States sprang, lasted a debatable 300 years. The Roman Empire made it at least 1,500, and the Mayans, well, they ruled about 3,000 years. But they, too, still disappeared. And what am I trying to say with all this? (laughs) Nothing, kids. Nothing at all. I mean, I'm just a kid that grew up in a top-floor tenement walk-up in the Bronx. What do I know? Well, I do know this, because as I'm recording this a few days before air date, even with all the tension, pressure, stress, and anxiety swirling around us, I do know that life is still pretty much, thankfully, going on as usual. Because, after all, it's still summer in New York City, where the sunflowers nod as you pass them by. Local tomatoes taste so good, they bring tears to your mouth. The ocean is finally warm enough for even a wuss like me to dabble in. There was an eclipse yesterday. Well, it wasn't total in New York City, but still, when I I went outside with the people from my day job, and, like, everybody was outside. Like, it's like every day job let everybody outside, so for at least for half an hour, so we could be together and look at this thing. And I have to admit, it was kind of cool. Ah, and there's this. We have a fantastic guest artist coming up, who, in a very meta-effing-physical, freaky-effing-deaky way, picked this song for her intro. A song I'll tell you all about in a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because I am human. That was Dionne Farris's Human from her debut album Wild Seed, Wild Heart in 1994. And if that song doesn't say exactly what needs to be heard in this particularly cruel summer, then I just don't know what will. But anyway, now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Welcome to Fish Out of Agra's Guest Artist of the Week. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> she is a musician and she's a singer and she is uh, a host and she's a cabaret performer, personality, and she's a mom and she's great. And her name is Alex DeSouz. Yay! Welcome to Fish Out of Agua. Yay, thank you for having me. Ching ching. Cheers. Thanks. Yes. Scamming the scamming the conference yes. room in, in fashion land once again. Yes. So Alex, um, please remind me. I, I ask this question of everybody that that is on the show, but you, most of the time when I ask this, I have an inkling, 
I have no effing clue how we met. <laughs> we met at Eric Fetter's show, No Name and a Bag of Chips. Okay. When you performed, when the show, remember when it was in that fifth floor building? Oh my God. In the th when it was a theater. This building has since been uh, condemned and removed. Yes, it's, it, 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 it's. I know where it is. It was on Eighth Avenue, like by Forty Fifth, Forty Sixth Street, and it was like rat and roach infested oh and full god. of lead paint. And they were who is in the parking lot? Yes, and, and junkies shooting up. And, oh my god! And, and drunks this, would come to the and, show. And this was in, and this is in the year two thousand. People, yeah, we're not talking was, about the seventies. <laughs> no, this was. We're not talking about the taxi this driver is days. Really, not that long no, ago. This is the turn of the century. And this and um, when we had the when he had the show, the our friend Eric. Eric Vetter has a fabulous comedy variety show called uh, No Name and a Bag of Chips. And he used to do this show at midnight on the That's fifth floor right. of this building. It was, a, it was a theater company. And the stage was whatever set of the show that was performing at the That's, time. Oh my God, it all comes back to me. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the audience was a crapshoot because it could be full yeah. or they could be like, Crickets and two people and, and the roach in the corner. Exactly. And it could be, you know, three drunks that were dragged in. Yes. You know, yes. who were just like, woo, you know, no. between bar between you know, between bars. I totally and, um, remember doing Carmen Mafungo there and yes. see, and seeing a homeless person in the audience. Yeah. And that's just like <laughs> and, and they yeah, and they were they were thrilled. Yes. And and I think I think they that's were quite the first pleased. place I think that was the first place I met you and then Eric also oh, so did a show at Collective Unconscious. Yes, and yeah. that's also in the arts. Yes. Yes, yeah. I love saying that. For, for those who don't know, <laughs> the arts are what you call the first years of the decade after the turn of the century, with the zeros. So from 2000 to 2009 are considered the arts, and after that it's the teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, etc. And, uh, you know, and we're not talking 1800s or 1900s. We are talking the 2000s. Yes, the 2000s. Right, so yeah. The 21st century, as it were. Exactly. I remember Collective Unconscious. Oh my God, so many beautiful memories here. Oh my God, I can't. That place, that place <laughs> on Eighth Avenue. Oh my God. Some oh my God. you like like some things. You know that saying that you can't unsee that. Yes. I cannot unremember no. this. Yeah. No. So, but Eric Vedder is just like he's like a fountain of making connections for people. Yes. He is like the most accomplished, unfamous person that in comedy Thank because you. he's been doing his show no name in a bag of chips in different incarnations for at least 23 years yes. since the 20th century yeah. and so many people have done his either book show or his open mic and they have gone on to phenomenal success yes phenomenal shall we name a few um Let's say um, Ophira Eisenberg. Yes, Ophira Eisenberg. Um, Christian Finnegan. Uh, Harry Kondabolu. Mm -hmm. um, Tom Shalhoub. Tom Shalhoub. Yes, yes, definitely Harry Kondabolu. Um, yes, and um, who I loved. He was a writer for Totally Biased uh, with W. Kamel Bell. And even W. Kamel Bell came and did a yep. couple of shows yep. while he was still w. Doing, Bell, yes. yeah, when he was living here in New York doing Totally Biased. Leanne Lord. Leanne Lord. Um, Carmen Lynch. Carmen Lynch, that's right. You know, and, and right now Liz Mealy. Yep. Um, who is just rising up and up so and up. So anyway, I know we're talking yeah. about this man here. But, yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he deserves to be shouted out. And if you yeah. see anything for his shows, check it out. It'll be yeah. good. And you don't know who you're going to see, who's going to be like the next comedy superstar. But talking about superstars, Alex, <laughs> you have such an interesting mix of what you do as a performer. Because you are operatically trained, correct? Yeah, I am classically trained. You're classically correct. trained. 
trained yeah. as a singer. You drum with different yes. bands. I yep. I play drums primarily in uh, the band The Summer Replacements, which is a house band for uh, No Name and a Bag of Chips. Um, but I also play drums. I play drums at a Kidville. I've played in other bands. So um, it's it's a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get to New York? I don't think you're a New York native. I am not a New York okay. native. I grew up in the Boston area. Um, I grew up in Concord, Massachusetts. Um, and, you know, I got that performing bug early because my parents loved classical music and musical theater. And so, you know, I was listening to show tunes. Of course, the early stuff, you know, Camelot and Mary Poppins and Annie and all of that when I was a kid. And I, of course, wanted to do that. And so, of course, you know, I was auditioning and doing shows here and there in the Boston area. And then I was like, I must come to New York, you know. But I wanted a few more things under my belt in Boston. But um, in Boston and it, here in New York, when you are tall, big boned, and ethnically ambiguous, that sometimes <laughs> gets a little, <laughs> so, it's a little so, harder so to do. Let's talk about that ethnic ambiguity, especially growing up in Concord, Massachusetts. Yeah, well, yes, um, particularly as I did not know my full, my full background. At the time, my father was older, and a lot of people could say that, um, you know, people didn't talk about their backgrounds as much. They're like, we're in America now, or whatever. Um, my father's parents were from Grenada, and... Oh, the West Indies! Yes, they were from the West Indies. Oh, my God! Yes. Another Caribbean! Yes! Woo! Wepa! Wepa! I know, Wepa's for Latin, but <laughs> I, I've had Puerto Rican, Dominican, Jamaican... Haitian and Trini on the show. You were my first grenade. <laughs> and I love that. It's like, you know, I, I, I like that. First I grenade. Blow it up. Blow it up. That's Blow it up. What, that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, but my dad never talked about his background. Um, part of it was that you just didn't back then. He was, as I mentioned, he was older. He was born in 1915. Um, and secondly, oh my. Um, I do believe, yeah, he was 56 when I was born. Oh my, um, potent. Yeah, you know. Caribbean, got, you know, Caribbean blood. Hello. Um, so, but also, um, he was passing. Because he was born, I found out, in Harlem. And then his family moved to Taunton, Massachusetts, Taunton, Massachusetts which is a huge port town back in the day. Um, and then... He went to college up in northern Maine. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this decision got made. I don't know if it was a family decision, if he made it by himself um, or what. But um, he, he would say basically that he was uh, French and Scottish, which, you know, people from the, Car the, from the Caribbean, everybody passed through. So um, that's true somewhere. Um, he very well may have had French yeah. and Scottish DNA in him. Exactly. And passing is something that people don't talk about a lot. Yeah. Because when somebody decides to pass, that means that they're deciding to live as a white person and yeah. not the person of color that they are. That means that their outward appearance presents itself so they can get away with passing for white, yeah. but the downside of passing is that you are also forced to sublimate and deny your heritage in yeah. order to do this. So you're leading a false life. Yeah, I I am the type of Latina who can also pass. 
And to me, that's one of the ugliest words in the language. Yeah. I once had a family member say to me at a family dinner table when I mentioned a racial incident in my high school, and he said that this person told me that I was an idiot for telling people I was Puerto Rican, and that if he looked like me, he would pass for his entire life. Uh. And I told this vile person that if I looked like him, I would kill myself. With, um, with my dad, was that... Born in 1915. Yeah, he was born in 1915. Yeah. And, you know, he wanted to start... He went to college... You know, as I said, he was born in 1915. He was growing up in the 20s and 30s. He went to college in northern Maine in the mid-30s. And this is Depression era. And... Once again, I don't know when this decision was made. I don't know how, if it was a family thing. Um, and I do think like his family knew, because his sister, um, who I finally met in 2008, um, was darker. Um, but there's a whole long story about how she lived on the West Coast eventually, because his mom and sister had to move for, for his mom's health reasons while he stayed in um, Maine. But... Um, I, all I can think of is like he's growing, you know, going to college in Northern Maine in the 30s. He's trying to get work in broadcast journalism um, in the 30s and 40s, and he hits the peak of his career really in the 50s and 60s. And as? you know, it's like uh, um, as a he was a morning man in radio. Wow! And he worked at the same station for 44 years. Oh my God! I better do good with this episode. Yeah. Uh, so no mistakes. <laughs> you know. Pressure. So, but. I, I, I often say, I'm like, when was a good time to say, oh, by the way, I'm black? You know, oh, and I do, I don't, because I'm like, you know, and I think in a way he also like sort of created a character for himself. Um, and he lived that life, but my mom knew. Um, and she kept that secret for him. Um but I know she loved him to death. There was no, like, to this day, she always says he was his soulmate, uh, her soulmate. And she has never remarried. Um, she was 20 years younger than my dad. And she's 82 now. She's never had any other interest in any other man. Um, right, because once you go black, you don't yay. go back. Whoa! You know, I had to go there. So, <laughs> go so it's just like, you know. <laughs> sorry. I, uh, no. Sorry, please. not sorry. No, exactly. Not to you for listeners. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was just, it was a, it was definitely a harder yeah. time. I would like yeah. to believe were he alive and, now, things would be much different. And when they got married, that was before loving. Yes. They got married in 66. Oh, the year before. Yeah. The, the year, year before, before They got married in 66. And luckily they got married up north. Right. Well, that, th those laws did not exist. Yeah. And just to, an, an example of how difficult this was, um, my father's first wife, my mother was the third last and favorite, um, my father's first wife um, did not know about his background and apparently found his birth certificate. And um, after they got divorced, when my father married his second wife, she sent my, a copy of my dad's birth certificate to his second wife. And that was already a tenuous And for what coupling, purpose? Um, basically to... Um, like tell on him, oh, um, yeah. And she did the same to my mother, but what? luckily my mother already knew and didn't care. But you why know. do we do this to each other? Well, but we talk about these things, yeah, in the hope that 
you know how MTV has those commercials saying, let this be the generation that ends smoking? Yeah. I want this to be the generation that ends passing. Yes. That nobody has to pass, whether for color, whether for gender, whether for any type of identity. Exactly. Don't, so that people accept you for who you are unconditionally. Yes. Without reservation. Exactly. You're just like, why? You don't want this to be a thing anymore. No. And, and you know, the, there are different types of passing now where during the, during the job crisis, uh, the, during the recession, people looking for jobs, and there were black men and women who, if they have um, African or other type of ethnic-sounding names, they would get passed over. Their resumes would be passed over. But so some of them changed their names to more white-sounding names, so they would pass in that sense just to get a foot in the door. Are you talking about first names? Yeah, first names and sometimes even last names. Ideal. And, you know, because they wanted a foot in the door, and they felt they were not getting um, calls for interviews because they would test it out, and they're like, if they put a white name, a white-sounding name on their resumes, they would get phone calls. This is why my parents named my brother and me Michelle and Kevin, because they were born in the 30s, and there was no bilingual education back then, and there was no, they, they wanted us to be American. Well, and even, that was the way you thought back yes, then. Yes, well, even with my mom's Danish family, my mom was the surprise. She's the fourth and last child, and she was the surprise. And my, my, um, her siblings were Mabel, and let's see, there's, uh, there's Mabel and Eleanor and Stanley. And then my mom got the Danish name, Greta. Now, Greta doesn't sound that bad. But when it's spelled in the Danish way, it is spelled G-R-E-T-H-E. Mm. And so people to this day call up the house looking for Greth or Greta to Suze, and they don't understand. It's like, no, that's a Danish name. It is pronounced Greta. And they don't just even ask first. You know, they just say it like that, you know? And so it goes so, both ways. Yeah, it's, it totally it's, goes both yeah. ways. And, like, and, you know, the, and these were white people, but that was the whole thing was... Foreigner. It was, yeah, foreigner. Yes. It was the whole... Foreignness. Um, so this, and my mom was born in 1935. So. Yeah. So our, our parents appears. Yeah. Wow. That's that's like crazy. Yeah. Well, let's get back to performing. Oh my <laughs> God. Well, we just like, went on this tangent. You kind of can't not. You know, it's yeah. like these are conversations that are happening right now and yeah. need to happen more often. Yeah. But so you moved to New York after you graduated college. Um, I moved to New York actually well after I graduated college. About let's see, I graduated in '93. Did you go to Emerson? I did. Yes, I yes, I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Emerson. Just, you, you know how many people have gone to Emerson that are just like in our oh community? Yes. Cindy Freeman, Scott Stifler. I uh, knew Cindy uh, back in Boston. Uh, DC, not uh, not DC, Benny. Uh, a DJ Hazard. Yes, um, I remember DJ from Boston. Yeah, because I used to see his comedy show. I saw, I saw him do comedy in Boston. Boston. I saw Cindy in Boston. Um, used to see her at auditions all the time. And um, I mean, Emerson. It's a good school. Has, yes, it's been a great school. And um, and there's so many people that yeah. luckily have continued yeah. um, their actual path. Yes. You know. Yes, and uh, every person that we mentioned is is working in it's is working in some kind of creative thing today. Yeah. You know, Cindy's te- teaching at the Story Studio. Scott yeah. is um an an editor, managing editor of The Villager and Chelsea Now. DJ Hazard, last I heard, was doing little films. I haven't seen him mm-hmm. in a while, but DJ Hazard, we remember you. Yes, DJ. Um, and so I worked with some other theater companies 
in Boston, um, and thank you, Underground Railway Theater, um, for letting me get my equity card working for them. Um, and so after I got my card, I decided I'm going to go, and I came here in 99. Ooh. And um, yeah, I came here. You were here for the Y2K. Yes, I was. Did you and, party uh, like it was 1999? Uh, you know I did. I know um, you did. So I've seen it. Was, it. And, and, um, and it's it. You know, my career has not skyrocketed. You know, but I've had a really good time, and I've met fascinating people, and I'm still doing stuff. And so. you and you've done a lot of stuff. You've done. Yeah. Yeah, you, I think you've done theater and. Places too numerous and sometimes too torturous to mention. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. I, I have I have done, you know, one act, I've directed, I have written, I have done story shows. Um, I up until recently I hosted a cabaret night where uh, you know, you could have six people, you could have forty people, you know. Uh, coming and I'm trying to get that going again. Um, I, want, I want to hear a little bit about that for just for a second. You yeah. said you're classically trained as a singer. I yes, I am. So uh, what does that mean for people well, that don't know what that means? That means that I, I mean, for me, I mean, I could sing classical music. I have done opera, but it's having good vocal technique. So it means because you sound when good when you sing a cappella. Yes, I can <laughs> sing a cappella on pitch. Um, I have good breath control. I mean, I've had my, I've had vocal issues. I think, you know, everybody at some point has them. You know, whenever I've had troubles, I just go back to my initial training and I can bring that back. So that's great. Um, I, I bet you all that training really was useful for theater because yes. you would like be able to do like a long monologue and you wouldn't be like, <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. know how to breathe and just like use your breath to make the words resonate. But it and it's but you know, it's not that hard to get that training either. Yes. You know, there are voice teachers out there who are specifically doing stage work for speech, you know, so you learn how to project your voice and not have to scream or necessarily right. need a like microphone. Like chest voice as opposed to throat, throat voice. voice. Yes, and and uh, Helena Bonham Carter apparently worked with like the top vocal coach in London something for this because she was not she's not a singer. And, you know, they always talk about breathing from your diaphragm and also breathing um, from your nether regions. And apparently this coach did say to Helena Bonham Carter, breathe from your cunt. Um, Are you so kidding me? I am not lying. I read that in an article and we, I was like, my goodness. I we mean, are not an FCC show, people. Man, that word is allowed on I the air. Like, my goodness. Because... Uh, and that's a lot for me. I don't say those the, words. The Brits just like have a thing with that word. Yes, yes, they do. You know, we we don't call each other that. No, we call each other lots of other things. Yes, bruja, pulienta. <laughs> okay, not Spanish, but like, but we don't say that. No, no, no. I, and I, I'm if, not a if, fan. Is that of like it a myself? white person thing? That word. I wonder if it is. I don't know. I didn't even hear it that much from when I was growing up, and I, you know. I heard all sorts of things. Okay. You know, we all hear all sorts of things at school, but like well, I never heard that one. That's a subject for so, another show. Exactly. Where did the C word come from? <laughs> um, so, uh, where did you do stuff here? And I, you know, I've done stuff with small theater companies here in the city. Um, my largest uh, credit would be um, at New York City Center. They do a wonderful series called the Encore Series, where they do concert stagings of musicals that weren't so well known. They of course they of course evolved and they've done some very well known things. Um, but they do these amazing productions and 
um, I had been auditioning and auditioning, and, uh, but in 2003, I got to do, um, I got, actually got to be part of, in the ensemble of a production of um, the operetta, The New Moon. Um, it's a Singman Romberg piece. And um, what was so great was at the time, there was um, a whole issue with, uh, a lot of Broadway shows were shrinking their orchestras and trying to get in like big synthesizers that would cover string, whole string sections and all this. And of course the music union was fighting that. Um, so City Center said, you know what? This is a Sigmund Romberg operetta. We will have a 36-piece orchestra. And I think, yeah, they had a 32-piece orchestra, which was considered huge by Broadway standards. Um, and we had a 36-person ensemble. And we had, and I was, I was singing with Broadway caliber people, people who sang, sing at the Met, um, and we're singing with New York City Opera. That must have been incredible. This. It was phenomenal. It was just so wonderful to bring that music to life and to be part of that. Um, and later that year, um, there used to be a fundraiser for the Encore series called the Broadway Bash. And so I was part of the ensemble for that. And so there's like, there's Norm Lewis, who is presently in a production of Sweeney Todd right now downtown with Carolee Carmelo. And, you know, I'm singing with him and with um, Sandy Duncan. Everybody's favorite Peter Pan. Oh you know? my God! Yes, Sandy Duncan. Um, and for those uh, young people who might not know who she is, for people of the Gen X generation, she is Peter Pan. Yes, yes, I saw her. I don't think I they was... have a Peter Pan for now. They well, there was um, Kathy Rigby. She oh did yeah, it. that's right. And as far as I know, like she is fifty something. And still doing it. Well, that's you know, right. Some, of, it some of us still do it when they're that, Hello. <clears throat> but like she's still like swinging from wires and the whole, you know. And it in uh, so she is still, as far as I know, she is still touring. And um, and so I think, but yeah, Sandy Duncan was like my was my Peter Pan. And so it was so fun to like see her and work with her. And like at the time, she was fifty eight. And she could still do cartwheels and splits and on stage. Why not? Exactly. And, and why not? That's Thank the you. other thing. It's like, like that, that whole age thing. It's like you're supposed to like be a certain way when you're a certain age. Exactly. And it's like, no, be the way you are. That's right. And I, I'm like, you want to do you? If you can still do flips, if you have kept yourself up and are still dancing and still doing flips and splits and cartwheels yeah. and whatever, like she was doing, like. More like, power too. Like yeah. Rita Moreno still kicks her leg up. Hello. And that, and that woman is older than my mom. She's like 86. That's right. Cheetah Rivera, still dancing. And she's like she's 88. Like, she still can move. Yes. And sing because and she dance. never stopped. Exactly. See, this is this is to the young who want to, this is the key. You have to be a shark. Never yeah. stop. That's <laughs> exactly. Never stop moving. Never stop moving. Just keep swimming. And keep talking. Okay. And like Talking about talking, I re also remember you primarily as a storyteller. So tell me yes. a little bit about how you got into that. Started writing this thing because at the time, I did not know my background, and was kept getting cast as black and Hispanic. I was I officially was this white girl getting cast as black and Hispanic roles, and or just being sent in for these types of roles. And I was like, what do I do with this? You know. Um, and so ethnically ambiguous. Ethnically ambiguous. Yes, like and, moi. And and uh, so I called the show um, "Single What Female Tales of the Tall, Big Boned, and Ethnically Ambiguous." Single What Female? Yes. That, I love it. That's and, right. Um, I love it. And when I became a mom, I started a blog called "Married What Mama." Um, so, but that's how it started. And I would 
basically submit monologues and start testing out material from these experiences I was having. And um, that's how it started, but I've done other stories as well. And, um, and, and I just, I love it. It's just a lot of fun. And I love hearing the stories from other people because um, that's that's always part of the fun when you get to do a storytelling event is hearing the other stories and so one of these days you might finally get to the moth yes know, I know that. the moth is like the true north the oh, shining yes. star for so many people <laughs> the moth is great the, mo the moth is great and I, I would just say don't be afraid of it just yeah. go just go and do it and speaking of doing it I hear that you have a story that you'd want to share with us now I do it's kind of it's it's kind of a couple of stories in story in a story but well, here we go. So, my husband and I got married. And eventually came that time we were like, thinking about children. Now, we've never been people that were like, we must have babies! You know, we were just like, hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We'll be fine. But when we found out I was pregnant, we suddenly were like, oh, what's it gonna look like? Because I mixed, my husband's white, and we fell into that trap, you know, that most people talk about, you know, mixed couples, they're like, oh, you're gonna have this beautiful, exotic looking baby, oh my God, you know. And while we never went that far, we did suddenly go like, what is it gonna look like? You know, so we fell into that trap. And, um, and then finally, the day came and my son was born. I am mixed. I am a brown person. My husband is white, but you can still see he's got a hint of Southern Italian. My son is pink. He basically got all the white. Like he got the Irish on my husband's side. He got the Danish on my side. He looks like my Danish grandmother. He is a strawberry blonde and he is amazing. He's hilarious um, and he's tall. He's gonna be Thor. Um, it, it's amazing. So, of course, the time comes when I'm walking around and I suddenly realized I'm a brown person with a pink child. And, and so the, the, the comments began. And it really, I'm trying to think of when it really started, but I think one of the first times I'm on the Upper West Side, I'm at that Trader Joe's on 72nd, and I go in and I'm at the counter, I have my son strapped to me, and the woman at the counter says, oh, he's so beautiful. How long have you been with him? I'm like, oh, since they took him out of my belly. She's like, oh my goodness, oh, those, you know, there are just so many things, there's all these fascinating things about race, it's amazing. I'm like, oh, you should see, you should see the eye, the face Michelle just made. Um, and so, Next time, actually not really next time, but it was one of the next time, I'm in Acton, Massachusetts. I've gone up to see my family, and there's this wonderful children's museum in Acton that I, like, I cannot go and see my family without bringing my son to this place. He loves it, and it's wonderful. So we go there, and we're a little early. And so there's another mom there, and her little boy, she is blonde, her boy's blonde, but it doesn't matter. I'm like, I grew up around all of this, it's okay. So. We're outside, we're waiting, playing, there's tricycles and all this. And I start chatting with the mom and we're waiting for the place to open. And eventually we get to the whole, so what brings you to the museum today? 
and eventually she asked me, oh, so are you taking care of him for the day? Like, um, I should be taking care of him because he's mine. And after her moment of embarrassment, we get back to chatting about other things. And then finally, when the place opens, she turns back to me and says, you know, I was just wondering because you look so young. And at the moment, I wanted to say, good save. Good save, lady, because, you know, I am, I, I had my son when I was 40. I was like 43 at the time. Now, I may look younger than I am, but I don't look that young, okay? So I, I let it go, I let it go. And then the most recent was um, at the church I sing at. Um, I sing at a marvelous church in Midtown. Um, I've been singing there for nine years. And we had, a, we had a member or guest who was with us for a few months. She was in the city working. And um, now normally, like for a while, my husband and son would come on almost every Sunday. And we'd have lunch afterwards, and then my husband goes to work. Well, we'd had a period of time when my son was playing t-ball, so he wasn't in very often. But one day, they had a Sunday. There was no game. So my husband and son come in at the end of the service. And my son runs up to me and he goes, Mommy! And this woman says, Oh my goodness, that can't be yours. And I was like, Oh, oh, yes, he is. And of course, eventually we get to the whole fact that, you know, I have to end up bringing up that he looks like my Danish grandmother and that I am a mixed race person. And sometimes this is what happens, you know, with mixed race children. You know, and so basically, we need to remember, as you see, more and more mixed families. And there are, indeed, more and more mixed families. When you're seeing Cheerios ads with mixed race families, you know, coming on, it's becoming part of the culture. Just remember, next time you see a brown mom with a white child, try to remember, she might not be the nanny. Oh, snap. Oh, that was the end, right? That's the end. Okay, oh my God. I was just like, oh, snap. Oh my God. Yes, I was like, I, I, I almost like spit liquid out of my nose like several times during this story. You know what? And you know what got me too? Was like, you look so young. You know why you look young? Black because black crack. don't crack, brown don't frown, beige don't age. And as my abuela used to say, Puerto Rico's no creaking. They, oh, wow, that's great. Or maybe the grenade don't age. That's right, the grenade the don't grenade age. The grenade don't age. That's oh, the, right. we, we, here we are. We, yeah. uh, Urban Dictionary better keep up with us. That's right. My, my dad did not admit his age until he was 80. Wow. Because he looked 10 years younger than he already was. Well, we both do. Yeah. Holla. Holla, yeah. Holla. See us on the radio. <laughs> so, Alex, um, where can we see your fabulousness next coming up? Well... Right now, I am hoping to be um, behind the kit again at uh, No Name and a Bag of Chips at Auto Shrunken Head. Um, it's always the middle Fridays of the month. You can see me drumming there. Sometimes I also sing there. Um, you can also look me up on YouTube. I have a friend uh, with whom I do mashups. His name is Richard Binder. He's an amazing singer um, and performer in his own right. And uh, he sings at the church I sing at with me. And we found out we we're both big music junkies and 
We have a penchant for mashups, so we've done a few of those on mashups. So you can look up Alexander D'Souza and Richard Binder or Binder Sues um, on YouTube. We we are we've had some crazy scheduling, so we haven't done anything in a while. But we have a few lined up that we're trying to get. Facebook, recording. website, Twitter. Um, I am on Facebook. Alex D'Souza on Facebook. Um, you can also find me on Twitter under NN Uptown Cabaret because my cabaret show, no name. Uh, presents the Uptown Cabaret. So I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram under uh, NN Uptown Cabaret. And also you can find me, because I play drums at a comedy show and I'm often behind these people, I take pictures. And on Instagram, uh, you can look up hashtag behind the funny uh, for those pictures. So you got all the socials covered. Oh yeah, I am, I'm doing my best. So Alex, let me ask you in closing, if you had any advice f to any child who is sitting in their bedroom or the place that they share with their family, anywhere that wants to be an artist and doesn't know how because everything in their life is conspiring to make them feel less than, what would you tell that person as if he was your own child? Do it. Make the art. If it is if it is in your blood and you feel you can't do anything else, you know, get out the get out the if you have like pen and paper left behind, you know, like, you know, if you're if your mom or dad makes lists and there's just paper and that's the only paper that's around, um, and there's a pen somewhere, draw. If you like to sing, sing. Sing out the window, get on the yeah, sing with it, you know. Sing out the window, sing on the street, get that, get that brush microphone in front of the mirror, do that. If you like making other kinds of music, if there's a way for you to get an instrument, if you don't have one already, um, preferably you can, you know, if you're able to do that at school, um, do that. Find a teacher, find a mentor. There, there's always somebody out there that will be there you preferably in your school um, is someone in your community um, who can if they see the art in your heart they will help you, you but if they if you can't find that person yet you just got to keep doing it and put it out there the best you can so don't give up don't give up I I like to believe I'm the queen of the late bloomers it's taking me a long time no, honey, right. you're the princess. I'm the queen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being on Fish Out of Agua. Thank you for having me. Woo! Kissy. Mwah. Mwah. Kissy in the air. Fucking food, the ramen noodle. Your simple voodoo is so maniacal, reliable, but pull a juju. The irony is that this bad bitch in my lap, she don't tell me she make money, she don't study that. She gon' give it to me, ain't gon' tell me nothing back. She gon' take the brain away the place she spit on that. The doors and signs with it, don't try to rhyme with it. VH1 has a show that you can waste your time with. Guilty pleasure, take the edge off reality and pull a salary. I probably do that just sporadically. The OG Gucci 
fishbowl. Gentrify here now, it's not a shithole. Trend set up, I know my shit's cold. Hand set up because I ain't so bold. But here, all you black folks, you must go. In the smog of the media, the logs, false narratives of gods that came up against the odds. We're not just nigga rappers with the bars. It's kids with that cosmic with the stars. You bastards overlooking street art. Better yet, street smart, but you keep us off the chart. Some of the fucking numbers and your statisticians. Fuck y'all know about true competition. Just like the A.O. picture on there talking about a hitting. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting. We got Jamissi Smitten rubbing on a little kitten. Dreaming up a world that's equal for women with no division. Huh. Boy, I tell you, that's vision. Like Tony Romo when he hitting with him. The tribe be the best in eight division. Shaheed Muhammad cut it with precision. Who can come back years later still hit the shot? Still I'm trying to move you off the fucking block. Babylon blood clot. You upon your head talk. That song was a little extra fire alarm siren thrown in from me. Yes. That song was We the People from the recently reunited A Tribe Called Quest. Remember them? They had a 2016 album called We Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. We the People. I really like that song and I, I like the name of that song and I like everything about it because El Pueblo Unido Nunca Serán Dividido or a people united will never be divided. And oh, there's the sound of the cat going in the litter box. Someday I'm gonna have a real studio, people, but for now, we are doing this in our bedroom. Woohoo! Unless you think the litter box is inside the bedroom, no, ew. Our Yeti microphone is just so sensitive. I can hear this across the apartment because yes, I'm in a floor through because yes, this is Brownstone, Brooklyn. <laughs> and that leads me to give you this announcement for our little DIY show and the fantastic internet freeform community radio station that lets me play with you each week called Radio Free Brooklyn. Wouldn't it be amazing to see your community radio station represented at South by Southwest next spring? Yep, you can help. You can help Radio Free Brooklyn make it happen by doing one simple thing. Vote. V-O-T-E. Vote, vote, vote. Vote for Radio Free Brooklyn to be part of South by Southwest next March. And here's how to do it. Just head over to 
RadioFreeBrooklyn.com forward slash SXSW. Register and cast. It doesn't cost anything to register. Register and cast your vote for our panel. The panel is going to be DIY radio and local music communities. And hopefully there won't be any cats scratching in the litter box on the other end of the apartment. Woohoo! Well, anyway, your votes will help choose the panels for South by Southwest in 2018. And the more votes Radio Free Brooklyn gets, the better chance we have to take the RFB show on the road. Find out more information and cast your vote by going to www.radiofreebrooklyn.com forward slash SXSW. And make sure to tell your friends too. Voting ends on August 25th, which I think is this coming Friday. So thanks so much for being part of our Radio Free Brooklyn community. And yes, you've been listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. And we're almost done with our show. Oh, my God. Um, we thank you for listening. We wish that you would support this show or any other show on Radio Free Brooklyn that you like. You can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com's homepage and click on the Donate button, and you can support any show for as little as a dollar per episode. So think about it. Help keep the DIY community on the air. I mean, you know, not knowing how to do things doesn't prevent people from doing them because we need art. That's what we need. We need more art in the world. It's the antidote for what ails us. Anyway, listen to uh, Brooklyn Bandstand coming up next at 4 o'clock. And we're going to close by another song that Alex picked for this episode. And Freaky Deaky or Not, it's called Declare Independent. And it's from her Volta album from 2007. Ah, the lovely swan dress wearing, and I'm not making fun of it because I love that dress, Bjork. Declare Independence, and we'll see you next week. Make your own flag. 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 Make
Raise your flag. Raise your flag. 